morning. Welcome, everyone. Uh, if you're visiting this morning, my name's Ron Sebesta. I'm the pastor here at The Light, and uh, I won't be speaking this morning. We've got guests, uh, Carrie and uh, Diane uh, Kurtwood uh, from Tyler, Texas. They've been with us before and always have a great word, great message. Uh, Carrie did our men's retreat, and you know some of the guys are here this morning, and I went, we had an awesome time. It was just an incredible time. I want to thank you, Carrie, for bringing the word, and Diane did a great job yesterday with the women, so... Uh, Let's give it up for these guys. I want to uh, just take a moment and explain. If, if some of you are, are new to church and, and new to, um, uh, you know, to the Word of God, um, earlier what happened with Rosalie is she was speaking a tongue, and the Bible says, don't forbid the speaking of tongues. And I don't know that we've had, we've been here 10 years, I don't think we've actually uh, had anyone ever speak in tongues inside the church here. I've, a lot of times it happens in private meetings and things like that. Uh, but it specifically, specifically says, if you're going to speak in tongues, there better be an interpreter, all right? And, uh, and then there wasn't an interpreter, and, uh, and then it says that you need to interpret yourself. And then uh, after, the, after all of that happened, I, someone sent word up that they had the interpretation but was afraid to give it. And it was very similar to what Rosalie shared. So, But that when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, and, um, you know, I, we're a church that believes. I just, we just believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that God speaks to people today and that... Uh, you know, there are what we call uh, words of wisdom, or the Bible calls words of wisdom, or words of knowledge, or, or, or discerning of spirits, and then there's tongues, and interpretation of tongues, and, and prophecy, and, uh, you know, these are, are gifts that, that God, the healings, and miracles, and, you know, these faith gifts, we just believe that these exist today, and, you know, is. uh, uh, the testimony that we heard about the teacher fainting and hitting her head and going unconscious and without a, uh, you know, a pulse or a heartbeat, um, you know, just imagine, you know, what possibly could have happened if someone had not been there that responded to the word of God. So I just want to commend you all for listening and, and listening to the word of God and the teaching and, you know, the, the, uh, the book of James tells us not to only be hearers of the word of God. It's easy for us to hear the word of God, but he says for us to be doers of the word of God. So what you hear on Sunday morning here and in, you know, Wednesday night Bible studies and wherever uh, that you, you take out and, um, you know, you, you, you put it in place in the workplace or at schools or wherever you are. You know, you're, you're, you're responsive and obedient to the Word of God. That's what God wants, not just hearers of the Word of God, but doers and those that are obedient to the Word of God. So I commend you and those of you that, uh, you know, that, that have listened and, and continue to listen and respond to the Word of God. Because you don't know how many chances. Not, you go through a li uh, life, and there are not a lot of chances that we get. And there's a story in the book of Acts about a man by the name of Ananias. It's the only time that we hear of this guy. And he's praying and he's seeking the Lord, and and uh, and God speaks to him and says, you know, Ananias, there's a man by the name of, of Saul or Paul, Saul of Tarsus, and it says he's praying right now, and he is as he's praying, he's seeing a man by the name of Ananias coming to lay hands on him and pray for him that he would recover his sight and uh, that he would be healed, and so you've got God working on Ananias over here. And you got God working on uh, Paul or Saul of Tarsus over here, and then the two come together, and God gets the glory, and that's the way it's supposed to work. Amen. So anyway, um, uh, I'm going to ask Kerry to come up, and uh, uh, they will be here tonight. Uh, you know, and he may continue his message tonight. And um, they, you know, they they move in the prophetic, and 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 you know, Kerry uh, had a number of words for individuals that. Uh, were uh, at the retreat, and of course, he doesn't know these men like I do. I know what's going on in their lives, and he was very specific about, um, you know, uh, words and direction and, and just a word of God, word from God for them. Uh, I mean, just so specific and without even knowing them, 
And uh, I mean, I, I saw, you know, men that, you know, knew that God was speaking to them to the point where they began to weep and just kind of break down. Yes, yes, Lord, I know that. I know you've been speaking that to me for a long time, and now it's been confirmed, you know, through somebody else. So um, let's give them a, a carry a warm welcome as he comes up. Well, it's great to see you guys this morning, and uh, I had a great time at the men's retreat yesterday, even though I couldn't shoot a, a clay pigeon. But I guarantee I will do better. I will, I'm going home and practice. And, uh, and some of you guys made me feel good as well because you didn't eat either. So, so I, feel, I appreciate you missing just on purpose so I would feel better about myself that way. But I always enjoy hanging out with guys, and, and when people are pursuing the things of God in the heart of the Lord, I think it's always it's great. And uh, Diane doesn't always get to travel with me, but it's a real delight when she, she is with me and doing more so lately than ever before. But I want to dive in this morning, and I know when I was here last time, I talked about thoughts, and we had a book that just came out with that. And I'm not going to talk about that, but it's, it may seem like I'm moving in a parallel direction with it. So if you would turn with me to Psalms 139, that was the chapter I think I even talked somewhat about last time, but I'm not going to go into that same area. But when you consider that all the way through Scripture that God was dealing with the way that we think. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve, just think about this, that they were in a place called Eden, which was translated the, the place of his pleasure and the place of his presence. Everything was in utopia there. All they had to do was communicate with God. They probably, most scholars don't believe that they were communicating verbally, you know, and, and you know, in, in the sense that we would communicate language to language. But they were communicating by their spirit. By the spirit meaning that they just understood God. In the same way that uh, some of you are listening here this morning that you sent something in your spirit more than what I might say. And in that kind of environment that God would continually beginning to reveal who he was. And that when the Bible says that they were naked, it doesn't mean that they didn't have clothes. It just meant that they didn't have, they didn't have the covering of, of what we would think of clothes today. But they were in that presence where they were covered by the glory of God. And so when Adam and Eve would see one another, they would look through this filter of the glory of God. Glory meaning the very covering of God, the very essence of God. Glory is not something that gives you a chill bump, oh, that might do that. You could say, man, that was just glorious. That could be inspirational and not necessarily be glory. So when I talk about glory, it's a tangible experience that you don't have to wonder what happened. You just simply know. And in that kind of environment... That, the, that man was dominated by, by their spiritual being. They didn't, they didn't have to try to figure out, is this God or not God, you know, and try to filter through. They just knew. And that was the dominant part of, that was on the top of their life, was, was their spirit. Psalms 42 says, deep calls unto deep. The word bathos means the mysteries or the unseen things of God inside of us call out to him. And then the next part of them, there was, a, was their soul, sukikos is the word there, which is their mind, will, and intellect. So it wasn't that they didn't have a mind, it was just that their spiritual life was more dominant than their reasoning or intellectualism. And then they had a physical body as well. When there was another thought introduced into the garden for the very first time, the thought was, hath God really said? Doubt and unbelief has plagued mankind from the very beginning. Is it or isn't God? Is it possible? Is it too good to be true? How could this be like, like that good and so on? I remember as a young boy just, you know, watching uh, um, Oral Roberts on TV and he's sitting there in black and white television with my, with my mother and he had that big old microphone sitting there, you know, between his legs. And I saw him pray for a young boy who, who could not hear, was born deaf, and all of a sudden he said, I command those deaf spirits to leave him. And he said, out and all of a sudden that boy just shocked and woke up and and all like I've never heard this before and I thought to myself I wish that was true I knew that biblically that was true but did the reality that I was trying to connect with because in a fallen word world there's always this sense of, of uh, skepticism and ambiguity and did he really say and yeah I, I I hope that's true but I don't know so if God can change the way that we think about him and he can change the way that we think about 
others around us. He can change every part of our life. If God would say something to you and say, I, you, I give you empower you to go to the nations, and you immediately think, you know, my background is I've never gone, gotten out of the county. So it can't be. So we tend to filter everything through our, our background or our past or what we had experienced previously. In that setting, when, when Adam and Eve would see one another and they would look through the glory of God, I mean, it was, it was paradise. He would look at Eve and he said, oh, baby, there's not another critter in the garden like you. I mean, that's glorious, isn't it? And, he, and she would look at him like, oh, you were made for me, which he was. And so their life and marriage was just based upon this, this interaction that because they saw everything the way that God saw it. And when the enemy came in, the serpent it was, it was the form of the animal, but it was the devil speaking through. And he said, hath God really said to introduce some sort of doubt that maybe God is holding out on you and there's a world out there that you should experience, a world out there you need to go find out about, and God's holding out on you. And it introduced this, this idea of becoming independent from God. Because he said, if you eat of this tree, which was of knowledge, which was all about the mind, remember they were dominant by their spirit, if you eat of this tree, you really won't even need God because you become a God to yourself. You become so independent. And that's kind of the mindset in our, in our world now, that God is kind of a mythical thing, but I don't need God because I have my own faculties. How's that working for you? And when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Bible says their eyes were opened. I mean, they were blind before. No, all of a sudden they begin to see things differently. Instead of seeing through the eyes of God or the filter of how God views, they begin to see things through the carnal reality of, of their own intellect and their own thought process. And they looked at each other and, ah! When did that happen? When the glory departed. When the glory departs, one of the things that immediately happens is we start blaming one another for the problems at hand. Immediately the woman says, uh, or the man says, God, you know that woman you gave me? She did it. I can just hear Adam saying, there wasn't another woman around, so I didn't have any choice, God. So look, I didn't get the best end of the deal. And she said, no, the devil made me do it. My point this morning is that when, when we see things through the way God sees them, there is a sense and understanding of the power of God and what God can do and whatever we believe and, and step out in that in faith, God will do it and respond to that. But the enemy is always there to, to create doubt. Who are you? Who you think you are to believe God for that miracle? Who are you? No one said that you, were, you, were a, you had a healing ministry. No one said that you had that kind of ministry. But if you realize that God's saying, I placed you here to reflect who I am, then everything begins to change. There's three types of glory that the Bible talks about. One is the doxa, D-O-X-A, and, and even the, the New Age people, they, they believe in the doxa because they'll say, the doxa glory is I see glory in the mountains, which we have a lot around here, I love. See it in the trees, the glory in creation. In other words, it's all the outward sense of that. And then the Bible uses another word, Shekinah, a glory, which really means the place of the glory of dwelling. In Isaiah 6, when he said, Isaiah said, I see the Lord high and lifted up. That is, he was in the temple that was the Shekinah, preparing that we become a body or a temple of Shekinah. But then the third level of glory, which Adam and Eve walked in, is the, is the kavod or the weightiness of God, to where literally God is himself wrapping himself around us. And that, I believe, is what the Lord is going to bring the body of Christ, the church, back into, that we're not just believing in God, but he's working through us. He's operating by the power of his spirit. So look with me in Psalms 139. My mission has been for the last several months is try to convince people of what's inside of us. Most of us, we get up in the morning and we test how we feel and we decide who we are by how we feel. Some of us look in the mirror and say, look at it and said, oh wow, you, man, you look terrible. Everything's going south. And so we decide, you know, I'm losing ground. I'm not, I'm not as young as I used to be. I'm, I'm not where I used to be. And because in Proverbs 23, 7 says, as one thinks in his heart, so he becomes what he's thinking. 
Now look in this, this passion, starting in, in uh, Psalms 139 and picking up in verse 13. This is the portion of Scripture where we believe about the unborn child and, and God's, you know, believing in, you know, life and, and not, it doesn't just wait till they're born, but life is in the womb. It says, for you have formed my inward parts, you have covered me in my mother's womb. Now the word covered there is, is very similar to what Adam and Eve walked in the, in the garden. It is the idea of you've covered me with glory while I was in my mother's womb. I didn't have to wait to be born. I was covered before I was ever born. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. A few months ago, I was uh, riding down the, this road and on a, on a trip in, in my truck. And the Lord spoke to me specifically, as strong as I felt inside. And he says, Carrie, I have made you to be feared. And I said, God, I don't want anyone to fear me. I want people to like me, as a matter of fact. And he says, no, I've created you that way. You were created to be feared. And I said, I don't feel that fearful. There's nothing about me that would cause anyone to be fearful. He said, you don't understand. I created you to be feared. And he would, took me back and started explaining because he said, in the very beginning when Lucifer fell, in Isaiah 14 you can read it, and, and also in Ezekiel 28, when Lucifer, the Bible calls him, was the, the morning star. He was a covering cherub in the throne room of God and to where, over the worship leader. Jesus, the Son of God, is called the bright and morning star. Lucifer had a high position that he was in charge of the light and the sound. And in the throne room of God, the Bible describes it as flashings and thunderings and this, this light and sound. I mean, you've never seen like a light show like it would be in the throne of God. And the Bible describes that in his being, he was a created being that was built into his body, that there was pipes, there were stringed instruments, there's every kind of for sound. He was a one-man band. And so he was created for sound, he was created for light, he was created to, to reflect the very glory of God. He's called a cherubim, and any time you find in Scripture the word cherub, it is a particular type of ministering angel. It's not this little baby, you know, that's buck naked with a bow and arrow. That's not a cherub. I don't even know what that is. Maybe it's Cupid. I don't know what that is. But a cherub is one who is responsible for the glory of God. You find also in, in, the, in, we're in the Garden of Eden where they, they were pushed out of the garden and two cherubims are there with flaming swords guarding the way to the Garden of Eden. I always heard that, you know, they, they were there to keep Adam and Eve out. But the Bible, especially in the original language, says that they were there to guard the way to the tree of life. God is all about getting us back to the tree of life. Not the physical tree of life that was in the Garden of Eden, but He is the tree of life. He's always using His presence to direct us back to that place that we can eat of Him. We can eat of the tree of life, which they could every day if they wanted to. And to eat of him begins to be the fact I see again through the eyes of glory. And so when Lucifer was cast out of heaven because of the pride, he was, the bright, he was a bright, he was a morning star for light and the glory of God. He understood the glory of God. He was cast down to earth called the planet of darkness. He now is called the prince of darkness. He lost the position of glory there in the throne room. And he no longer has that, that, that ability to walk in the glory of God. Here's my point. When God said to me, I have made you to be feared, then he tells us in Colossians 1, 26 and 27, from the mystery of the ages has been hidden, but now has been revealed in the new covenant with Jesus, which is Christos, Christ in you, the anointed one in you, which is the hope or the expectation of glory. He said, when the devil looks at you, he's afraid of you because he sees what he lost in the very throne room of God. He'll never get back, and now you possess it. He is literally afraid of you. 
but he'll do everything to convince you and I that he's more powerful than we, and that he'll kill your firstborn, he'll come after you. If you mess with me, I'll come at you a stronger way. But the truth and the reality is, is the Christos in you is the anointing of God, the power of God, the light and the sound that he lost in heaven is now residing in you. I may have understood that theologically, but it's getting down in my spirit more and more. To when, I really, when I begin to pray for people, I realize that greater is he, the big he. The one who kicked him out of heaven is greater than the one who fell in, into the earth. That the, the bigger he that's inside of us is the glorious one, that he's the one who carries the glory of God, and he's now residing inside of us, and the one who lost glory is residing on the outside, and whenever the glory comes in, the Bible says light overcomes darkness, and the darkness couldn't comprehend the darkness, and light destroyed the darkness. If you go back into Genesis, you find out the very th first thing that God did when he was creating this, this world's that we know of now, the first thing that he confronted was darkness. And he said, remember the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, they were all there in creation. And that's why he says, let there be, let them, let us make, us, make man in our image or our thoughts, mindset. He said, let there be light. And what happened? The darkness had to be pushed aside. The word darkness there is skozo which means literally a tangible feeling of darkness. Like you can have the tangible glory of God. Darkness, when it gets to that point, you can actually feel it. I was down in the catacombs in, in uh, Kiev, uh, Ukraine a few years ago, and, and the catacombs, the little tunnel, was, it was about 150 feet below the ground, and, and they have saints being buried there. And I say saints, they call them saints. You know, people that have been buried there for centuries. And there was bones and hands sticking out of the wall. I mean, it's pretty creepy for a guy that was always spooked out about funerals growing up. And so there was a group of my translators right in front of me and, and another guy we were with, they were in front of me, and, and I was just, you know, just barely, sometimes I'd have to, you know, if you had claustrophobia, you'd have trouble. And I'd read these signs, some of them would be in English, it was a Russian place, and, and I'd read all this guy, this one young boy went down there when he was, when he was at the age of uh, 16, and he read his Bible, and the nuns brought him his food, and he had a candle on a little desk, and he lived there and never came above ground, and he died there somewhere when he was 26, 27 years old. He was trying to do something for God, but never had allowed the glory to be manifested out of that. And they turned the lights out in that thing. And I can tell you that when there's, because, you know, you can turn the lights out here, but there's a little bit of light seeping in. But the darkness was so heavy that I felt evil present. Of course, having a bunch of dead people hanging around you didn't help my attitude either. And so they flipped him back on, and, and some nuns stepped out of a little corner, and they, they kind of cut me off from my group and couldn't find my way out. I thought, well, we're all going out the same way, but it wasn't so. We came to a fork in the road in the tunnel down there, and my group evidently went right, and I went left. It's not a political statement. That's just, you know, what happened. Now that I read about it, they said the, the goats go to the left, sheep go to the right. So I should have paid attention to that. And I come up where I didn't know, and I was miles from the car, and I didn't know, I had no, I know no Russian. I can't speak Cyrillic at all. And I just began to say, God, I am in a place that I feel darkness, I feel evil. And all of a sudden, I felt him rise up within me, and he says, I've been with you all along. That's why David says, if you make your bed in hell, I'm there. Sometimes we feel like we've we been in that kind of context, but know that he hasn't forsaken us. And it took a while, finally I found my party and all that, you know, and I was so happy and they said, were you scared? I said, oh no, wasn't bothered at all. But the weightiness of darkness, what was, what was on the face of the deep. And when God said, let there be light, it was destroyed. I find it interesting that God didn't make at least in the chronology of Genesis, we don't find that the sun, the moon, and the stars were created till chapter 3. And yet, light showed up in, in chapter 2. Where'd that come from? But if you go back and you look at some of these, and some of the scholars have come up with this thought, and, and I've always felt this way, but I just use them to confirm me, was that when God said, let there be light, there wasn't anything giving light. He was light. 
So when he said, let there be light, he just exposed his radiant presence. And his presence destroyed the darkness. And then later on, he put in place the sun, the moon, and stars to hold it for signs and seasons and, and so on. If we realize that the very essence of God, the radiation of God, he's brighter, the one who created the sun is brighter than the sun that is full of radiation. And he now lives inside of us. In the Old Testament, he put himself in a box because he wanted to be close to his people. Even the point of putting over the top of this, this box, the mercy seat where they would put the blood on. But know that he's no longer in the box. He's come out of the box. And the Bible says that now you and I, we are the ark of the covenant of God. Inside of you is the very presence and essence of God. And on the top of you, laid on top of you, is the blood of Jesus who gives you the right to have a relationship with the Father. So now great, the greater one is inside of you and says those that know their God. What does that mean? Theologically, no. It is the word very intimately. As Adam knew Eve and conceived. As those that know their God will do exploits because they know him as the eternal weightiness of what's inside of them that will destroy the works of the enemy. We find out in John 1, he says, that the, the word was made flesh and dwelled among us and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the son he sent his word glory and it healed us his word became flesh and now dwells among us and with us so what he was saying is i've taken my glory and i wanted to manifest it in earth to destroy the one who came to this planet of darkness and i've now put it in my son and my son paid the price and ransom and now he's transferred that glory into you and you, you're carriers of that glory of God. You have been fearfully made. You have been created to scare the devil right out of, out of all of your lives. I was in Australia this last year, and I tried to go every year, and, and I was speaking in a Baptist church, which was a little bit phenomenal for me. They'd invited me to come and, uh, in a little town outside of Perth, Mandra. And they asked me to teach on the topic of the partnership with the Holy Spirit. We're to partner with the Holy Spirit. And so before the meeting began, there was a, there was a lady maybe in her 40s or so. I couldn't tell because her, you tell us she had had a rough life. And she came up and introduced herself. She said, hi, my name is Jennifer. And I've been a meth addict for the last 24 years and smiled at me the whole time. I've never had anybody introduce themselves like that. She said, I've been on drugs most of my, my life as a, as a young teenager, but meth has been the drug of choice for the last 24 years. I said, oh, okay. And so we started the meeting. I was trying to get into the text. I couldn't get into the text. I couldn't get a direction. I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, and she was sitting right here on the front. She, he said to me, how long are you going to put up with that? And I thought, I don't know how long you've been putting up with it. He said, I've sent you here to set her free. Immediately my mind started saying, I haven't had a whole lot of experience dealing with drug addicts and seeing success. But I was so stirred with that, I, for whatever reason, I stepped down to the, before I could even go on, I stepped down and went over close to her, and I didn't mean to be this loud, but I looked at her and I said, who said you were a drug addict? You're not a drug addict. You're a daughter of the Most High God. And he'd quit giving yourself permission to be a drug addict because it's not his purpose for you. So I thought, I don't know if that helped her, but I sure feel better about it. <laughs> Three months later, I get this, this email from her, and she said, you remember me? And I said, yeah, I sure do. And she said, I went home that night after the meeting and got busy and I didn't take any drugs. That's the first time in a 24-hour period. She hadn't had drugs since she was a teenager. Next day, I got up, and I didn't, want, I didn't really crave any drugs. I didn't want Went the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Three months now, I have been completely clean. No, not any at all. I've not had any withdrawal. I have not had any problems physically. It's three, three, another three months, six months now, she sends me another email. Pray for me. I'm having to move, which Perth is on the east on the, on the West Coast, and I'm having to go to Brisbane on the East Coast because my drug dealer, I owe him so much money, he's trying to kill me. Then I got another email three months later and says, I'm in Bible school now. I got my driver's license back. 
I'm loving God, and I didn't know that he felt this way about me. So I'm asking God, I didn't cast the devil out of her, you know, like we normally would do, and I don't know what happened that. He said that because you took the authority of Christ in you, and you said to her, quit giving yourself permission to be who you are. I want to give you permission to be who he says you are. Because in her mind, she had created this idea, this is who I am, this is what I need to be, and I need to respond to who I am. I made my bed, I just need to learn to live in that. Immediately she set free. I began to realize at that moment, there was something, because it wasn't how loud I shouted at her, that was my emotion. But to realize that there was something inside of me, that anointing of Christ in me, not because of who I am, because of he is, that destroyed the yoke of iniquity that had been generational from her parents, from her, her family, all the way through to her life. And it came and he, he broke it. First John 3 it says this, For this very purpose, the Son of God, Son of Man, came to this earth and manifested himself to destroy the works of the devil. And that's when I heard the Holy Spirit saying, I made you to be feared because now the one who walked on the earth with them is now inside of you. And the same one that's inside of you was on the earth that 2,000 years ago has not changed. He's still in you. He says in John the 14th chapter, and you see in 14, 15, 16, talks about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm giving you one that's just like me, a parakletos. He's just one like me. He's an advocate. He's going to tell you everything that I have in store for you. He's going to bring back to your remembrance the things that I have said from the very beginning. So you're not going to lack for anything. But he's, he will not be like me being with you, but he shall now be in you. The Christos, the anointed one, is inside of you. Therefore, when the devil looks at you, he sees one who was crucified, but he also looks at the blood that was on the Christ and the resurrected power. So he sees the power of resurrection relevant inside of you right now. You have the power of life and death in your tongue, but you carry the power of life and death in your spirit. You have the power to say, live and not die. You have the power to say to death, saying you have no dominion and power over that person. Our problem in mind, too, is in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, in verse 18, where he talks about um, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So my question is, where's the Spirit of the Lord? Is it over there, or another place, or he's up there? The Bible said, should we send someone up there to bring him back down? He said, no, he's, he's nigh you, even in your mouth. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, and where is he? He's chosen to live inside of us, and to exemplify or express through us everything that the Father said belongs to you is already inside of us. But if I can't get past the point that I look in the mirror, I look like a bag of bones, just making my, trying to make a living and get through life, breathe in and out, and just hope I pay enough bills at the end of the year, in the month, in the week. But when we, if we could begin to change and see ourselves the way that he sees us, he would see one that is a carrier of the glory of God, and he doesn't make junk. Now, flesh and blood, we may look like it, but we have an eternal spirit of the anointed one, and the same spirit that casts the devil out up there is the same spirit that will cast him out here. Now, look at the next part of this. That's the introduction. What time do you guys normally go here? <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> but he trusts me. I'll quickly, I'll run with this, promise. Been fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul, my intellect, my, it knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I made, was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, before you were a glint in your parents' eye, God already saw you. And in your book, they were all written in the day's fashion for me, when as yet there was none of them. The Bible says that Jesus was the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the earth. Before there was ever an earth really formed, that the Lamb of God was already slain. Now I'm trying to wrap my brain around that. How does that work? 
In other words, it, in the mind and the heart of God, it had already happened even before it was ever manifested. In the same way, he said, I saw you before you were ever conceived and brought into to your mother's womb. I already knew everything about you. In fact, he says, in your book, your substance, the word substance doesn't mean just the physical, tangible, you know, skin and bones, and it can be. But there's also a word that has the word potential. That in your, your potential of what you could be and you can be has already been set out before you were ever born. Here's the kicker with this. And he says, it was written in your book. Not his book, your book. You mean, God, I have a baby book? How many parents have a baby book, got a tooth in there and some hair and, you know, the first, you know, fingerprint, footprint and all that stuff? You got a baby book. Well, the Bible says right there in your book, talking about in God's book, he owns it, about you, it, your potential was already written there before you were ever born. I don't want to stand before God and find out that he had chapters written about me and I hadn't even gotten out of the introduction. I had things about you that you were going to walk on water, raise the dead, cast out demons, and begin to go to the nation, see changes in, in, in world leaders. And all I was saying is, God, I'm just trying to believe you to pay the light bill. How much we limit him based on who we think we are. Our ability seems to lim limit his ability in us. Because we pray big prayers. God, do the mighty things. Do the great things. And then we give him a little thimble to put it in. And he's looking for people that will expand their heart and believe for what they can't see and step out for what they can't feel. Now here's the interesting thing with this. If you go back to study in the scripture, you find out there's five different books. I'm not talking about books of the Bible. Five different places when the Bible talks about that he registers our names in a, in a particular book. In Malachi 3, for instance, he says, all those who feared the Lord, that there was a registry there when he put his name. Anybody remember reading that? I mean, the fear of the Lord is meaning the fact is, I'm really convinced and concerned about what God thinks than what anybody else thinks. I'm going to be bold in what God is saying. And I like the testimony of the girl. I did it even though it cost me maybe my job. I'd rather be, be obedient to God and please him than have to operate under the fear of man. Those who fear the Lord, they've got a, a place written there, registry. Then there's a place in Psalms 87. It says, all those who are born in Zion. And Zion talking about the worshipers. All those who are born in Zion, there is a, a registry of their birth there. If you're a worshiper, meaning more than just a singing one off the singing songs off the screen. The word worship, proskuneo, means to love and to kiss. In other words, I'm not saying, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise God. I love that song, got my beat. I don't like that song, though. That may be a singer, but not a worshiper. A worshiper is one who is with all of their heart, their mind, and their strength, and they're loving the Lord and saying, yes, Lord, I'm exclusively giving my heart, my mind over you. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to eat here in a little bit or what's going to happen. I'm just giving it to this moment. You're a worshiper. And you got a place in a book where he says, I've got your name written there. We find out another place where he talks about in, in heaven, Psalms, uh, Psalms, I think it's uh, Psalms uh, 52, when he says, those who have sown tears, that there is a bottle. I mean, you hear that? That there's a bottle with your tears. I don't understand that. But there's a bottle of your tears that he catches, and he said there's a book of your name there that you had come and you poured out your heart. Sometimes we're saying, I, I don't want to cry, I don't want to cry. And God says, go ahead, because I got your number. I love it when you pour out your heart. I love it when you expend yourself upon me. He says, your name is written there. And then we know in Revelation, he says that the Lamb's book of life, which is the most important if your name, if you have received Jesus Christ, the Lord of your life, and you see, come into my life and live through me and forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for my sins. He writes your name in the book of life, and then he writes it on a white stone, a, a different name. It's a name that not what your parents or what you've been nicknamed by other people, but it's a name that speaks of how he feels about you. 
and your name's written there. And then we see right here in Psalms 139, there's a book of your potential written there. And you can go into Revelation 21 and says, and when the end of the end of the age and we come and we stand before him, this is the believer's judgment called the Bema Seat, where he starts handing out the rewards. You made it through the one judgment of, of not, wor not worrying about hell, but now I've come into him and he's a great rewarder of those who love him. And the Bible says in Revelation 21, and there he opened the books, plural. Not just the book of life, but all of these books. Your baby book, the fear of the Lord, the book on your tears, and the one where your worshipers, he laid them all out, and he, he starts looking at that. And he rewards us according to the registry where we've sown our life into. If we could begin to think the way God thinks, then we find out that in this life, we're just, this is a practice run for what will be in eternity. I don't want to stand before God and saying, well, you're good, okay, in the fear of the Lord, Carrie, but, you know, when it comes to that worship thing, you know, you, you want to just listen to other people sing. You wanted to listen to good music, but you wouldn't let me worship through you. Because Hebrews 13 says, let me offer the sacrifice of praise through Jesus. Let me offer, which is the fruit of my lips. I want to stand before him saying, I didn't leave anything on the table, and, and everything, God, that you wanted me to do, I, I poured it out right then. If we could see what we carry inside of ourselves and the power of God in a full, full sense of that, we would be doing, we'd be able to do exploit. Nothing would be too difficult. When you pray, you're not praying, God, I hope you can do this. But you're praying because there's one living inside of you that's greater than you. Sometimes we pray thinking about whether we've been good or not. You know, he's not Santa Claus, whether you've been naughty or nice. When you acknowledge my son, I acknowledge you. One quick thought. Exodus 12, when the Hebrews were coming out of Egypt and brought them out and separated from them from the pagan society of the Egyptians. Take a lamb. Three days they had the lamb in the house. They had to get to know the lamb. Maybe the kids named the lamb Fluffy. And then Fluffy, they played with Fluffy three days, got to loving Fluffy, and all of a sudden Daddy comes and slits the throat of Fluffy and takes his blood and puts it on the doorposts. Even if it was an Egyptian came into that house, whoever was in that house, the Bible said when the spirit of Abad and the death angel came through to judge Egypt, he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over. I don't have time to go into fully but I can prove to you scripturally, even scientifically, that they've proven that blood has a sound and blood has light inside of it. Blood has glory of God in it. They've taken a DNA of a, of a, of a, a mouse that had cancer and they hooked it up to a mini synthesizer and that DNA began to play a funeral dirge. They found a good mouse, if there is a such thing, took some DNA of that and put it out and the mouth was heavy and he was all grown and it was a lively waltz. Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. You have a sound inside of you and when the devil sees you, he sees, he hears, he knows the glory of God, he knows the, the lightning, the flashing and all the light that's in the throne room of God and he sees it in you. How much important it is for me not to start a dance, well, here it is another Monday, oh, woe is me. Because it attracts every devil in hell. So, hey, I find something over that resonates. When the soldiers in the Garden of the Gethsemane were coming to take Jesus, and he said, the prince of this world comes, but he'll find nothing in me. There'll be nothing that resonates in me that resonates in them. And they come to try to take him, and three times they couldn't do it. Finally, Jesus said, okay, you can have me. Because there was nothing that resonated, that harmonized, that synchronized with that spirit. The reason sometimes we, we fight battles that God never intended for us to fight is because we're giving out a sound and we're giving out signs and we're giving out a way that the devil says, hey, that looks like me, that sounds like me. But when the sound of heaven and the glory of the Lord, the light of the blood, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. They overcame by the 
blood of the lamb and the word, the sound, the resonation of their testimony. And they didn't even comprehend or love their life, even to the point of death. They weren't thinking about themselves. They were thinking about the one who dwells inside of them. Father, I thank you today that the power of your word and the glory of who you are is still resonating today. I pray for anyone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as the Lord of their life. That I don't know if I have that sound of resurrection inside of me. I don't know on that day when I, when, when I may take my last breath here that I am ready to meet him. If you've never experienced that, I want you to slip your hand, hand up. While everybody is, no one's looking around. This is, this is a thing between you and the Lord right now. And says, I want to make sure that Jesus is the Lord of my life. I want you to slip your hand up right now and I'm going to just pray with you. Take you through prayer. If you if you don't if you don't if you're not ready to be born, if you don't know that you're ready to meet Jesus, raise your hand. I think some of you, Amen. You got one, two. All right, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Everybody can pray if you want to. Jesus, I receive you as the Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me and you were raised again. Wash me clean. Take away the power of sin. And give me the power to live for you. Today I receive you as the Lord of my life. And would you write my name in your book today. So that when I breathe my last here. I enter into glory. In Jesus name. Amen. If you receive that today and you believe it in your heart. I want you to find pastors, some of the leaders, and just share with them what I did today. One last thought is the Lord, really, the Lord wants to release you in your potential. You have potential. Don't live your life out under what someone said that you, this is who you are and that's who you are. Here by the Spirit of the Lord, it says as we look into that mirror, we're transformed from glory to glory to glory. Look into the reflection of of the Christ, the anointed one, and let him see and let you see him as his full expectation. Amen. Word, a couple of people real quick. This lady right here, the blue. What's your name? The Lord's brought you into this house to give you deep roots. Genesis 49 says as Joseph was planted by the well that his vine went over the wall that you have heard the Lord say some really powerful things to you, but he said to the level that you allow your roots to go deep near the well is to the extent that I allow you to begin to move over the wall and move over past walls. This is going to be different than any other time before. This is a place that I brought you in for healing and for wholeness and for soundness. It will not be like it was before when misunderstood and, and misaligned, but the Lord is saying this is a season where the, the desire of your heart has been looking for and been pressing in for, you will not be disappointed this time. The Bible says cast your bread on the water and it'll come back to you. This is a time where you can cast your bread on the water and you're going to see something revolutionary begin to happen. It will be differently. It will happen differently. It will not be man-made, man-centered, or man-thought of, but it's a God thing and a righteous thing that I'm doing in you. So I'm moving from the inside out but receive the intimacy of the Lord. It's not what you do for me that pleases me. It's just not what you do with me that pleases me. Amen. Hallelujah. What's your name? You guys together? Yeah. How close? Really close. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's a different now. <laughs> I'm close to my neighbor next door because we live close, but I'm in the minute I'm married to him. All right. <laughs> I hear the Holy Spirit saying there's a transformation coming by the Spirit of God. And there's recently been an appetite of the Holy Spirit that he's given you for the things of the Spirit. And you've been asked questioning, saying, God, if you're real, then I want you to do this. If you're real, can do that. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. But I just didn't make this stuff up, did I? No. Okay. That's exactly what I always said. It's exactly what he said then I'm telling you that the Lord has, has been the one who has been guiding you. He's the one who's been not fully feeding you because he's wanting you to continue the hunger and the hungering and the hungering. As you begin to pursue after God, 
you're going to find him to open up the days of your future like you've never seen. You've been even asking the Lord, what does my future look like? What am I supposed to do? How's this all going to work out? And it's full of questions. And the Lord says, I have a hope and a future for you, but it's, it's, it's all in one point is the fact is, don't worry about the future or what you'll do. Set your affection upon the Lord. He wants to train you and teach you about who he is and how to love him with all of your heart. I'm even going to cut off some things that have been distracting to you and other voices that have even mocked and, and you've had to jump over them. You've had to push past them because they're going to pull at you and say, you know, you don't need that religious thing. You don't need all that thing. This isn't religious. This is reality. It's just as real as you're looking at me. That is who he is. And the Lord is saying, because you've chosen the best part to go after him, he's going to give you the ability to understand the word of God, and he's going to be a, a, an urgency. Especially in you, sister, I, I hear an urgency in the Lord. that he says, get ready to run after him, because he's, you're, you're catching up. There's some feelings that I'm behind in some things, but you're going to catch up, and he knows how to put you in the right place at the right time. And so the Lord said, this is the day that you can mark, that everything is going to look different, my, my perspective and my desires are going to be different is because you've set the Lord before your face. Hallelujah. We'll do some more of this. We'll do some more of this in, in, the, in the night. What's your name? Andrea? Okay. The Lord just healed my hearing. I could hear you. Come on out here. I declare over you are not a misfit, but you rightly fit with him. You are fitly joined to him. That he's more connected to you than what you even know. And the Lord is even bring, beginning to, to reveal himself to you in a fresh way to where you're not going to feel like you're outside looking in or always on the outside. He's changing your heart from that. And today, what has been rejection is now going to be, he said, I'm going to step into that gap. While you felt rejection, he's stepping into that gap. And he said, I want you to know you can't have anybody else before me. And when that becomes solid, you're going to be amazing. All of the people he has lined up relationally. I'm not talking about marriage. I'm just talking about relationally, being the right place within that. And the Lord is going to give you revelation of who he is so that the, what the Bible says calls this the lover of my soul. He's going to become the lover of your soul in such a way, but he, he's going to take away all of the sense that somehow or another, the distance of God. So Father, I pray over Andrea right now. I cut off all of these feelings of distance and let her be tied to you, Lord, in a greater, greater way than ever before. I hear the Lord saying that he's tearing up some old files, some things that have been written about you, that he didn't write, and he's tearing up those files, and he's saying, I want you to know that you don't have to live it down. You don't have to worry about it being your resume or being in your file. He comes, and he severs that, and he tears it up. And by the virtue of who he is, he declares you without fault because of he took it for you. In Jesus' name, I pray for the full power. Yeah, go ahead and just drink it up. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The love of God is saturated, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Let me look over here in this so nobody thinks I'm just one-sided. Where's the young lady that was playing the keyboard over there? There you are. What's your name? Faith. Well, sure. I should have known that. If I was really prophetic, I would have known that. I mean, you had some juice on you this morning. You know what that means? No. Okay. Uh, there was some anointing on you. I heard the Lord say that I was to declare over you that you are going to be a prophetic voice to those that can't hear God. Now, I know it, it may not feel like it is right now, but I'm going to release the prophetic voice inside of you. It's not a spooky thing because the Bible says out of your innermost being flows rivers of living water. I saw you doing it. I don't even think you knew what you were doing. I, I felt the presence of God 
coming through as you were just singing unto him. So, Father, you said that we could lay hands upon people for giftings. And I pray over faith right now as she ministers unto the Lord and she gives to you, O oh God, what is the deepest part of her heart. I pray that you would release this depth of the spirit within her, the bathos, the mysteries of the kingdom of God, that she would prophesy things that she's never thought of or heard before, that it would be spontaneously born of the spirit, as the Bible calls a new song. Let us sing a new song unto the Lord. There is a new song and there's a new sound because it's a resonation of the spirit of God that literally was causing something to become creative. There'll be times when you just begin to play and you see people all of a sudden being touched by the Holy Spirit. It's because you carry the purity of who he is. And because you carry the purity of who he is, you're going to be able to impart that to everyone else. You also have the ability to, to declare those things are not as they are. Instead of saying what I don't have, you'll just begin to say, this is what I do have. This is what I'm believing God for. For he's closer to you than what you've ever thought possible. Songs in the night, shouts of deliverance. Never negate the what's, what you feel, the, the, the weightiness of God coming on you. Never negate that and say, well, it's just me. I want to tell you, it is you, but it's also him. The two of you together give a, give a, good, a good partnership. I release you into this ministry as a psalmist, as the going of the Lord, as the empowerment of the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. The word, the word, the Bible says in the beginning, but the word beginning is the word rakaf, which means to vibrate. It's that resonation. It is a sound wave. You give out the rakaf of God that causes people that need to start, have a fresh new beginning, begins to release that freshness in their life. Father, I thank you for this house. I pray that you bless them. Give them the mind of the Spirit, the heart of the Lord. May they have the eyes of the Spirit to see your expectation for them. In Jesus' name, amen. And uh, thank you. Carrie, uh, thank you. Great word this morning. You know, great word. Glad you were here. Listen, if you, um, if you feel like you would like to have a word spoken over you tonight, we'll be meeting, not in here, but we'll be meeting down the hall in the cafeteria. And if you feel like, you know, that you just need some direction or vision or something in your life, you know, uh, you know maybe uh, you would come tonight and, and God would speak a word to you. Why don't you just stand with, with me for just a moment? And I'm going to ask our prayer ministers all of our elders, deacons, and prayer ministers, if you guys will go over and just kind of get in the corner. And for some of you that just feel like you want special prayer before you leave this place today, um, you know, just I want to encourage you to get prayer. But I woke up this morning, and, and this is how I want you to leave. I woke up this morning thinking about the glory of God and uh, thinking uh, after Solomon built the temple and he dedicated the temple, it says that uh, as he began to pray, that the glory of God fell so heavy in that place that even the priests could not stand in the glory of God. And I began to think about, you know, he began, they began to, it says the people began, began to fall on their faces and they began to worship the Lord. And, and, I, and I thought about Jesus and the woman at the well and, you know, he talked about, you know, she was saying, well, this is where our people, the Samaritans say we're supposed to worship and you Jews say that, you know, over in Jerusalem is the place to worship. And he said, you know, God is looking for worshipers. God, and I want to tell you that what was true 2,000 years ago, that God is still looking for worshipers. Now, David understood that. And David, uh, in Psalm uh, chapter uh, 48, he says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And then, uh, and then in Exodus chapter 33, verse uh, I think it's verse 11. It says that God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a man. Uh, and it says that God would speak to him in the tent of meeting, but then Moses would go back to the camp. But a young man by the name of Joshua, the son of Nun, that's N U N, not N O N E, um, like Melchizedek was, had neither mother or father. Uh, but uh, it says that Joshua stayed there where the glory of God was. And then 
David said in Psalm 34, and, and, and boy, I can just hear this just resonating from his heart. And this is how I want you to leave today. Um, you know, I mean, I, I thank uh, our worship team and Carrie for the words that were spoken. But I, I want you to leave thinking of these words. David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us worship his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. So, I, you know, when you walk out these doors today, I want you to walk out as a worshiper of God, not just a hearer of, you know, a good message. That was great. Good, good guest speaker this morning. You know, I want you to walk out with worship in your heart, get in your car with worship in your heart, drive away from this place with worship in your heart. Tomorrow when you go to work, go with worship in your heart. When you meet your employees and employer tomorrow, go with worship in your heart. When you meet your teacher and your school and your students tomorrow, go with worship in your heart and let them see the radiance of God in your life. It says that when Moses came down from the mountain, the people looked at his face and they couldn't even hardly stand to look at him because he radiated the glory of God. And that's how God wants us to be live our lives every day. When you walk out, when you go out, when you come in, God wants to radiate his glory through your lives. Are you willing to do that this morning? I hope you are. I hope you are. Just li Let's just lift our hands and just ask God to fill us. Father, this morning we say, fill us with your glory. Let the glory of the living God fall upon us, Lord God. Let us radiate your glory to a lost and hurting and dying world, Father, that uh, they may see your glory upon us, Lord God, and that, uh, Lord, that as you have changed us, that you too would change them in the name of your son, Jesus. We ask these things. And God's people lifted up a shout of praise and said, God is good. God is good. God is good. God is good. All right, my wife is coming up. 630. <laughs> she said uh, people are asking for me to repeat. 630 tonight in the cafeteria. So I want to encourage you to come. If you need prayer, go that way. If you're satisfied and full, go that way. God bless you guys. Love you.